Welcome to the Raise the Roof, Remove the Walls podcast. Andy and Joe here with you again. Hey, guys. And uh, today we're talking about uh, the parable of the talents, uh, Matthew chapter 25. Uh, Luke 19 also records some similar parable. It's got a little, some, a few a few different things. It's a little weird. Yes. Um, it really yeah, belongs yeah. in John or something. It's the funky one. It's supposed to be off in the hippie gospel, <laughs> not one of the normal. Should not gospels. be in a synoptic gospel. Yeah, right? yeah. Should be out with the weirdo. Uh, that I like. Um, that, that weirdo's not an insult in the Byers family. It's a, it's a badge of honor. So don't think I'm True. smirching John's name here. Um, but let me let me read this for us. Give you guys our, our context here today. We're looking at this Matthew 25, starting verse 14. Uh, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold? See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would receive it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, jump right in there, Pops. Well, you know, in, in doing some reading and, and, and research on this, one of the things that, that I read a lot was, people look at this, this parable and they go, wow, that's harsh. Um, I don't find it harsh, personally. Um, first of all, is this just about money? And the answer is no. It's about <laughs> everything that God has given us. ESV uses the term talents for what he gave out, uh, as opposed to bags of gold. And so for, you know, as a kid growing up reading this, I thought talents. Oh, my talents, my abilities. Um, it encompasses really everything. I mean, this this master or Luke identifies him as a king, but anyway, this guy of great wealth gives and entrusts these men with resources that they they would not have otherwise, and and it's a gift because he noticed when when they give it to him and they said we've made this much at the end he says he he indicates it's still theirs. You know, he just wanted to see how they would use it. So one of the things I take away is that God gives us and entrusts us with blessings, 
talents, resources, and opportunities to serve him. And we need to then utilize those. We don't need to just put them away. I can, I can remember one church I pastored, there was a lady in the church. She was one of the most gifted administrators I'd ever seen. Um, she literally went into a situation where there was no organization or structure and put structural organization to where it was a very efficient functioning part of the overall uh, business that they were involved in. And I remember several times asking her if she would be on different uh, ministry teams that involved uh, knowing administration and, and helping us do a better job. And her answer was always, I don't have time. And I kept thinking she'll use this gift that's a God-given gift to help her business, to ingratiate herself and maybe make more money. But when it comes to helping God's church grow, she wouldn't. And so I think one of the lessons I take away from this is what God gives us, what we're entrusted with, we're to use to build his kingdom. Yeah, I think that word entrusted is is hugely important in that first part because God God knows us. Right. Like this, yeah. this, this master knew these servants. He knew there, there's a reason he gives them different, le- different mounts here. Like right, he knows right, what right. they can handle. He knows what they can do. So he knows yes. what they've been given and knows that they have the ability to, to work with that, to deal with that, to handle that. Yes. You know, yes. Um, the guy he gives five to, he knows he can handle more than the guy he gives one to. Um, right. And so part of this is is trusting what God is saying about us when he gives us those things. Like he doesn't give us that stuff just so we can sit on it, obviously, as you get no, through that. That's, no. I, I think yeah, that's worse than, than losing it somehow than like failing, you know, like not trying is worse than failure is what I get from yes. this yes. thing more than anything. Um, yes. Especially when we're not trying out of fear, you know, when when that's the thing, when we're too scared to, to get off this thing and do anything with it. Um but he knows us. And so he entrusts those things to us and he gives us those things for a reason. And, and, you know, we kind of skipped it because it says again at the beginning, because the beginning of chapter 25, he's talking about the kingdom of God. So like right. this is a, the kingdom of God is like this guys, this yes. is how, this is how things work. And so that's what it's about. It's about building the kingdom. And yes, he gives us those talents, those abilities, those resources so that we can be about his business. Yes. Well, and, and, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, God doesn't relate to us as this mass of people. He relates to us as individuals. Yeah. And he knows what his will for us is. He knows the abilities as far as mental or anything else that he's given us. And so what he gives us to do fits with who he created us to be. You know, he doesn't create everybody to be a pastor. He doesn't create everybody to be a missionary or a teacher or a doctor or, you know, anything like that. He creates us and gives us those gifts then to use in those areas of giftedness and the opportunities to use them to grow his kingdom. Uh, And yeah, I mean, he compliments the guy with five who gained five as well as the man who had two and gained two. He doesn't say, oh, you 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 gain five. So that's great because he had more to work with. You know, I mean, it's like to me, the difference between when you look at somebody who pastors, let's say a mega church with tens of thousands of people coming every weekend. And the guy who pastors a church of 30 or 40 people, you know, does God say, Oh, you know, the guy who's the mega church pastor is better, more spiritual, more talented. No, that's just what he created him to do. 
And you put that guy in that church of 30 or 40, he would flounder, just like the guy in the smaller church would flounder pastoring a mega church. And yet we don't, we, and I think in the church, we tend to elevate people to positions of idolizing them because of the size of the ministry or how many books they've written. Or One of my pet peeves is when, see, I, when I see churches looking for a pastor and they put as a qualification, he has to have a seminary degree. Now, I went to seminary. And I would stack up people who didn't go to seminary that I have worked with over the years with anybody I went to seminary with, because it doesn't qualify you. It might give you some more training or insight. Actually, what seminary did for me, it gave me the ability to connect with people, and it gave me the ability to know how to dig into God's Word. Did it make me a better pastor? No, it didn't. It just gave me the opportunity to grow. And quite honestly— with what we have available today uh, over the internet and being able to to do conferences, you know, virtually over Zoom or whatever, I'm sorry. I think that that is a prideful thing for a church to ask. What you ought to be looking at is the character and the calling of the person, not their education. Because I worked with a guy who had more seminary than I did, and it didn't work for him because he didn't have the calling to do what he was called, what he was trying to do. And so we bring in a guy who has no college and no seminary, and he grows this beautiful ministry. So, you know, I, I'm not saying don't go to seminary, but I am saying don't let that be what you judge on. Judge the person according to their calling and their character. Uh, yeah, speaking of someone who has uh, zero seminary, uh, <laughs> can echo all that. Um, we, I was, I was recently part of hiring someone for our association who had not gone to seminary, and like that, that briefly came up as a, as a talking point. Like somebody asked, like, is that going to be an issue? And we're like, no, because we all know this guy, because we know him, we know his character, we know yes. who he is, we know his ability. Like, we know him. And so, no, no one's going to even bat an eye at that. They're going to look and go, oh, I didn't know that about him and move right on. Like, it's just it's yeah. going to be nothing because we know him. Um, yeah. And so that that quote unquote qualification doesn't doesn't matter in this case. You know, I've I, I have I, I grew up in a pastor's house. I I have a yeah. pastor for a father-in-law as well, um, who yes. who basically has like a seminary library in his house too. By the way, so anytime I want yes. something and I'm I'm yes. slacking, I I have good resources to go to, um, on both sides here. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't feel the need for that, um, and I'm stubborn because I'm a buyer, and so I resist things anyway. <laughs> if other people try to tell me stuff, um, and then I had kids, and I just didn't, you know. It, it wasn't like this. Oh no, that's never happening. Like, if I hadn't gotten married, if I hadn't had kids, with all the online stuff that's available, yeah, I probably would have thrown in a few things here and there. Um, I don't have time. Well, you know, it's I, I have been asked to do things over the years to serve in different ministries, different different positions, and a lot of those I've said no to because that's not who I am. And 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 like you pointed out, you hired the guy in your in your your association because you knew him. Yeah. This this master knew these servants. Yeah. He knew he could trust the one with five. He knew he could trust the one with two. I'm not so sure he was confident about the one with one, but he was giving him an opportunity and a chance. But knowing that he didn't have the abilities or the commitment or the drive that these other guys had, he didn't give him as much. 
And, you know, I, I've looked at my own life and thought, would I have liked to have done some of those things? Yeah, but but when God said no, I knew there was a reason. Or when he said, here's where I want you to go, here's what I want you to do, it was a reason. And it was to build his kingdom using the things that he had create, created in me to be. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we. I love part of this is that we have different gifts. We have different abilities. Like yeah. if we're all the same, yeah. we just end up with yeah. all the same church. We all reach the same people. Like it needs right. to be different. And we need those different parts of the body right. as Paul will talk about right. multiple times. You know, I, I, I get to be in charge. I get to help lead a, a VBS trip to South Africa. Even when I don't go on the trip, I get to sort of help lead stuff <laughs> and plan stuff. But like, Going on a trip like that and and figuring out the details of here's where we're gonna stay and getting people fed and people, I'm good at that. Yeah, I, sure. I, I have and grown I, up. I understand how this works. Right. And your yeah. father is horrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> not true. Um, I'm not good. I'm not. I'm you, not as you, good as you. That's true. Well, well, that's because you had you had your wife. You had mom. <laughs> uh, you did a <laughs> lot of that stuff. True. Um, that is very true. I got to do both. I got to, I got to hang out for, you know, here's how we play in this ministry side. And I got to go shopping with mom to figure out how the heck we're going to feed these kids. Right. Mission. I got, I got right. both of these things. So I got all this. Yeah, you, I understand you those the, things. You got the ideas and the detail together. <laughs> yeah, Whereas a little bit. With, with your mother and I, I'm the, I'm the idea guy. She's the detail person. I, yes. I get some backup on the details when I need the help there too, from, from my own wife. Um, but like those things, I'm gonna. I'm. I don't actually. I, I'm not a good VBS teacher. Like being with kids at VBS, I feel awkward and out of place. Like it's not my thing. Yet I lead. I help take this trip to do vacation Bible school somewhere. But I'm not the hands-on person, and that's. I'm not supposed to be. Like that's not my gift. That's not my particular. Like they had me do a little bit of it. Like standing up there with them, like, hey, you want to come do this part for the kids? And I'm like, do I have to? Like, you don't really want me to do this. I, I tried to tell them. I think they learned by the end of the week. You know, he really doesn't like doing this. This isn't his thing. No, no, it's not. Um, you must be this tall to understand the sarcasm on this ride. So I don't always do well with little kids. Um, I say things and they're looking at me like, what did he just say? Um I get the same look from adults often too, but that's that's. I get I get the I get the looks from the adults, and the kids understand what I'm talking about most <laughs> of the time. So yeah, I uh, I hit like the, the 15 to like 30 range really well. They understand. <laughs> um, but you know we, we, we have those different talents for a reason. Yes. So yes, that's that's how yes. the kingdom of God is built. Yes, because we need all those different. And, but I think again, we've made the mistake in the church in elevating certain. Yeah gifts or talents above everything else if you're musical or you teach you are everything in the church whereas those people who are in the kitchen those people who who do the behind the scenes, i'll never forget when you were working uh it was 714 in college and they had that first leadership meeting and you didn't go and they called you and go where are you and you go I'm, I'm home. Why? Well, you're supposed to be. And I said it was a leadership. I'm not a leader. I just set up the table. I just set up the chairs and and, and do the, the, the sound system and stuff. But yet that was a leader. I remember doing a study in a church I pastored called Jesus on Leadership. And, and I would recommend that study to any pastor working with his people in leadership because it's and it's been revived. So it's up to date now because this was quite a while back. But I remember at the end of it getting feedback from the people. There was this one lady. 
in 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 the group and she was a leader in her i saw her as a leader other people did but she never did until that course and what one of the things she said was i didn't realize that what i was doing behind the scenes was leadership and that's because we don't we don't emphasize like the gift of discernment to me is a huge gift in the church and we totally ignore it and just ask people that have no discernment but oh gee we're leaders our gift is teaching or our gift is this or that one of the things i tried to do as a pastor was to surround myself with people who had other gifts one of the gifts i don't have is mercy i have no mercy in me it's rub dirt on it move on suck it up do whatever you have to and i really struggle when people are struggling with emotional or mental issues because i'm like i don't get it just move past it and i, I realize they can't so I surrounded my 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 staff, the staff that, that came to work with me, whether they were volunteer or they were paid, there were people who had mercy because I needed to be balanced out. And so, yeah, I, I agree. And another thing I see here is that whatever gifts, opportunities, resources that God blesses us with, we need to use them. Like you said, we don't just sit on them. Yeah, I think I think sitting on it is way more, worse than failure because we're all going to fail. Okay, but if we let that failure teach us something on understanding what God has blessed us with and given us with or understanding who we are a little bit or his will for us, we that can happen. But if I just sit on it, I, I never will get what God is wanting to do. Well, yeah, you're, you're just you're not joining in anything. You're, you're right. not you're not helping to grow. You're not even attempting to right. be part of what God's doing in God's work, which means you're not you're not understanding it in your own life either. Like that's why, like yes. this guy that gets the one talent misses why why he's given the one talent why like yes. you you you're missing out that you have this ability I gave this to you for a reason that that you have the ability to do something with this I know you do that's why I gave it to you and you're missing out on that side of it which means you're not trusting what they see in you right. you're not you're, not, you're right. not seeing what the master sees in you. And so you're yes. not looking through his eyes. You're not finding yourself in him and, and the idea. Right. He's, he's, you're not you're not believing exactly. who he says you are. Yeah. So, no, no, exactly. I can't. I can't do that. That's not who I am. And yeah, anytime we deny who God says we are, we're missing out. And we're yes. not it means we're not trusting him. You know, right. That, that we're not right. seeing who we really are. We're seeing what yes. we want to see. We're seeing it from our level and from our perspective and not his. And that's yeah. that's what changes everything. When yeah. we try and figure out the world and we try and figure out our life from our own perspective, um, we'll look around and see what kind of messes we can make of ourselves. Right. I mean, yes, yes. I, I struggle um, more and more these days with all this gender identity stuff is hard sometimes for me because I, I can see so clearly what is wrong. And, and, and it, yeah. it's because we are deciding things. We are at the center of things, which is what happens in the garden. This is the origin of sin. I am in charge. Yes. I am what, who decides yes. what's right and wrong. It, it's right. it's a natural progression of that. Like this is oh, yeah. this is a normal path for for our broken, sinful world. Uh, so I don't freak out about it. But like, it's just it's so frustrating to be able to look and see like this is it right here. Like my identity is found in Christ, not in how I feel, not in what right. I think, but in Him and. Right. That's what this third servant's really denying is he's saying, yes. I looked in the mirror and decided what I was capable of instead of listening to you. Instead of yes. believing what the master said, I chose what I could do 
And this yeah. is all it was. So I just hit it in the ground yeah. and did nothing. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, there's three, two or three things here. Uh, first, let me piggyback off what you said about gender identity. I listened to an interview the other day. Um, a guy interviewing this young lady. At least she appeared to be a young lady. And, and he was asking her, so what gender do you identify with? Which is always intriguing to me that I can choose an, a gender or anything else that I can identify with that's not really who I was created to be. But anyway, and she says, oh, I'm gender fluid. And he says, what does that mean? And she says, well, one day I might feel like I'm, I'm, I'm more like a male. And one day I might feel like more like a female. And one day I just don't identify with either one. And I'm going, wow, I, that, that, that was eye-opening to me because what it said is, I don't know who I am. I have no concept yeah. of who I really am. And you're right. We only find that when we go back to the person who created us and knows who we are. But uh, last night uh, we had loaned our, our um, DVD of the Jesus Revolution to the church and they showed it last night and, and we, I went to we went to watch it again. I brought tissues. Okay. Um, this movie makes me weep and it makes me weep for two reasons. The first and initial one is to see what God was doing in that time period, 68 to the early seventies and knowing the opportunity we had in the church to, to see a, a spiritual revival, a, a, an awakening spread across this country. And yet it was the church who really stifled what was going on. And that breaks my heart because I was part of that. I mean, my calling to pastor came out of that time period, uh, wanting to, to see the church change and, and really grow and reach people came out of, out of that time period. And I put those two things together because in the video, in the movie, this guy says, these kids in the in the late sixties and early seventies who are are into free love and and drugs, a lot of drugs. He says they're seeking, they're seeking desperately. And and I see that's what our this a generation is doing today. They're seeking desperately. I don't want the church to be the the servant who got one thing and just sit on what we've got and not be able to be able to share that in in a in a a redemptive way, not a condemning or judgmental way. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't get gender identity and why you don't know what you are. But here's what I do know. I know why you don't feel that way. Yeah. And I know what will change your life, and that's Jesus. But the other thing is we are accountable. We're going to be held accountable for what God gave us and what we did with it. Yeah. And, and it intrigues me that this guy, this guy only got the one talent who sits on it and says, well, the reason I did that is because I was fearful of you because you sow where you, you, you reap where you don't sow and you gather where you don't scatter. And I'm thinking, you know, there are two kinds of fear in the Bible. There's fear of the Lord that that Proverbs talks a lot about. That's this awe of God, this reverent respect and awe of God. And then there's fear that stops us from doing what God called us to do. This guy is fearful because his master is somebody who who is good at reproducing what he has been given, and he doesn't think he is. And so instead of even trying, he just says, oh, I'm going to hide away so I can get, at least give it to him. Yeah, and and no, we can't we can't hide the truth of God. We can't hide the gospel. We can't hide the, 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 
meaning and purpose that only God can give us in the church by being angry at people who don't get it. Yeah. We've got to reach out to them and we've got to understand where they're coming from. Well, and we've got to share, you know, yesterday, uh, my, my sermon, we were, we were looking at John chapter nine, where Jesus heals the guy with spit mud, uh, the blind oh, guy. Oh yeah, I love that one. Uh, yeah. yeah. I love it. Th that guy has the best testimony in the word of God, I think. Yes. I was blind, but now I see. Like it's not, I, I, it, that takes nothing. Like there, there's yeah. no complicated process here. There's no great qualification. There's no deeper theological understanding of his, like he just knows this is who I was. And Jesus changed me, and this is who I am now. That's it. Yeah. That is yeah. all we are told to share with the world, but we have to share yeah. it with them. And yes. the third servant doesn't share any of that. No. He, he sits no. on it, he hides, and he doesn't yeah. do anything with it. And, yeah. and I think you're right. Like, I, I don't want that to be the church. Yeah. I don't want us to be the, the, the servant that just sat on our talent and was too scared to go out there and do anything with it. Right. Uh, you know, it's, I, I didn't. I didn't go through the the sixties and all this stuff. Uh, like you did, I, <laughs> no, I was, no, I was I was around for, for nine 11 though. I was in college. Yes. Right. And I mean, you mentioned yes, I remember it well. 714, the, the, the worship college worship thing that, that, that I was a part of and like nine 11 happened on a Tuesday. I will never forget that nine 11 was a Tuesday because that's when we had 714. We had this worship service and we still met that night. We didn't, we didn't do a sermon. We didn't do all our normal stuff. We went in, we we sang some songs and we prayed and we just cried out to God. I just remember that being such a kind of transformational, just, just with our faith, like leaning into that and going in. And, and we saw the rest of the world have this moment where church attendance boom for a couple of oh. weeks. Yes. Yes. But I think what was so disappointing is that so many people showed up there looking for something and they didn't find it. Cause it wasn't really there in most of our churches that, that this, this hope that they needed this, this something more. And we were as a whole, we were kind of about where they were, you know, they didn't find something different about us the way they should have. I don't feel like, I think we, I think we missed there. So I think we got hung up on the wrong stuff. Yes. Um, yes. I can remember the Wednesday after that Tuesday, uh, uh, church I was pastoring, if we had 20 to 30 people, we had 30 people on a Wednesday night, that was good. We were full that Wednesday night. We were full the next Sunday. We weren't quite as full the following Sunday. And then the third Sunday, we were back to normal. And I think one of the things that happened is that instead of seeing this as an opportunity to humble ourselves, before our loving creator, God, we began to go America strong. And when you see a lot of mass shootings and other things happening in different cities, that's the phrase that comes out now, this city strong or this neighborhood strong, instead of saying, oh my gosh, why is this violence? Why is all this anger and hatred and all of this going on? We've got to change people's lives and the only source of change, real change, is Jesus. And instead of that, we go, we're going to do it. We're going to make a difference. We're going to be strong. We're going to get through this. And we're going to change all these laws so nobody else does anything that bad anymore. Yeah. And the reality is it's people's hearts. And so I agree. I don't I don't think, you know, in, in the Jesus movement, late 60 years, 70, it was a church who said, we don't want you hippies. We don't want you young people. 
I mean, I mean, I remember the three people that literally God used to help change my life. One of them was a guy named Ken. He had long hair. And I remember our church's response. They kind of avoided him and went to the other people that were there that 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 weekend to, to help us as as I was in college then our youth group because he had long hair. Oh, we can't have these people with long hair in our church. They've got to they got to conform to what we think they ought to look like. And watching the Jesus Revolution, that was the same thing. And so the message was, you're not acceptable. I think the message at 9-11 was we're not powerful enough. I mean, we, we we don't have anything to give you that can change or give you hope when we really did. Yeah. We had Jesus, you know. And I remember uh, um, Katie Couric, who was on NBC back in those days on the Today Show, and she interviewed Am Grand Lotz. And she put her on the hot seat because she said, well, where was your God when this was going on? And I remember Am Grand Lotz saying, for a whole generation now, decades now, we have been telling God we don't want anything to do with him. Stay out of our lives. Stay out of our country. Stay out of the public life. God took a day and where he said, okay, I will. And I think that should have been the message of the church that Jesus is the solution to the hatred, the anger, the violence, whatever it is. And it's his strength, not mine, to get through it. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, I think the Vietnam War was one of those things, too, that totally separated the country and we didn't look to the right source to be able to change it. And it was it was interesting, Jesus movie, because they talk about how divided the country is. This is like 68 to 70. And I'm thinking if they could only see it now more divided than it's maybe been since the Civil War. I, I really believe. And what? Well, the solution is a political party, the right candidate, the right policies. It's Jesus. That's the answer. Yeah. And that was, I think, you look at the parable, that's what, what each of these men had an opportunity to take what the master gave them and use it to make a difference. And I think he's saying that to us today. Yeah. You know, the, the reason that ministry that I was part of was called 714, was Second Chronicles 714, which gives us the blueprint for how to deal with things. When, when yes. tragedy comes, when these yes. rough things come, if my people who will humble themselves and, right. and seek my face like that. And that's, yes. that's the response we should have that, that we bow before and that we acknowledge him that we say, okay, whatever you say, God, you're in charge, yes. you know, and that's, yeah, it's surrender. that's what these first two servants do. They, they surrender to this. Yes. I, I don't know how the dude felt about getting these five bags of gold. He was probably even more scared than the one with one. <laughs> what do like, I do with them now? Um, you're freaked out about having one. He gave me five. What if I lose? The, you know, like, but he goes, the master told me to go do stuff with this. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to do what he says, you know? Yep. And this, this third one doesn't do what the master says. And that's, that's yeah. the problem. Like it's, it's, yes, disobedient. it's not listening that's to yeah. the master. He's not following this, yeah. this direction that, that, He's yeah. being given here. He's he's doing it his own way, um, yeah. acting out of fear instead of following and trusting. So, well, that was the long and winding road that is the parable of the talents. Uh, that was <laughs> just to give you a Beatles reference today for those of you that didn't get that. Um, but we, uh, speaking of songs, we'll be back with you with a song next week. We haven't we haven't decided on that song yet, but we will we will let we you will. know. So. Yep. We'll see you guys again next week. Bye, guys. Have a good week. 